The Chargers had their first joint practice against the Dallas Cowboys on Wednesday, but the offense really struggled after a poor showing by the offensive line, specifically at the right tackle position. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. We've been covering the Chargers together now for over six seasons, but we're headed into our fifth season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys so much for making us your first listen for probably like the third time in the last two days because it's been crazy. But to make sure you never miss the show like the emergency Derwin James show that had to go up yesterday with his big deal. Make sure you're subscribing to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and also following the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. But unfortunately, David, I wish we had better news about the first day of Chargers joint practice against the Dallas Cowboys, but it seemed like the offense really struggled. The skill position players had some bright moments, which we'll get into, including cooking a lot of Cowboys DBs. But the offensive line really seemed to kind of neuter anything the offense was trying to get going against the Dallas Cowboys in team period when they're going 11 on 11 and most of the reporters that could be out there today were focusing on the offense so that's what we're going to focus on today including a rough day for both of the right tackles reportedly and really I mean kind of putting a bigger spotlight on a position that we already had big questions about going in but we also did get some helpful updates from Brandon Staley including a definitive timetable on when Kenneth Murray is going to return actually much sooner than I would have expected honestly or that I did expect so that was great to hear and then Donald Parham and when Derwin James is going to start working his way back in. But, David, it starts with the offensive line, who seemed like they struggled all day. I mean, Trey Pipkins and and Storm Norton both seemed to have bad days reportedly, but it seemed like it was the entire offensive line. From Daniel Popper, from The Athletic, he was out there, said the Chargers gave up eight sacks in the team period during 11-on-11. Nick Cothrell from Sports Illustrated saying it was seven or eight sacks. I mean, that's just crazy. It's going to be hard to do anything offensively when the offensive line can't keep it together up front. Yeah, I mean, if if your big guys, uh, your big uglies, or your you know your big beautiful men out there aren't blocking the best way for you, you're gonna struggle. I mean, it, it all starts up front. I've, I've talked about the spine of the team and how the Chargers have really needed to invest the resources into improving that unit. They have done that, but on this day against the Cowboys, by all accounts, by all reports, and the vid, some of the videos I've seen, the Chargers' offensive line grossly struggled against the Cowboys and that ferocious defense uh, led by Micah Parsons over there. Yeah. And when that's the thing too, is like when you go up against the Cowboys, I mean, Joey Bosa and Quill back are both freaks in their own regard, but oh yeah, they have been practicing against the same tackles, right? And you pick some things up and you keep going against the same guys. Micah Parsons is a freak. Like there's just not another NFL comp that I have for that dude at the moment. Who's just coming off a ridiculous rookie season. And he did this to the chargers when they played. Right, that was the first game where Storm yeah. Norton, I think, really got exposed in that game. But in this game, I mean, Brandon Steele was saying, "Hey, like, it, we're not game planning for this, right?" And you could tell because Austin Eckler was saying something along the same lines. He said, "We didn't know what they were going to come out in, and they showed us some looks today defensively that we really weren't prepared for. We were kind of figuring it out on the fly." And Brandon Steele says, "Hey, there's something positive to take away from that too." 
Yeah, like they intentionally didn't game plan here. They didn't watch a lot of a lot of tape. They actually wanted to go in here. The coaching staff wanted to manufacture a situation where the offensive line and the offense had to go in there and kind of adjust on the fly. They didn't want them to kind of get too uh, heavy on the 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 finer details of you know advanced scouting, all of that. You know, obviously, when you go play a, an opponent in the regular season, you have all kinds of information and you have kind of a more streamlined idea of what your plan of attack is going to be against that team the chargers didn't want that in this they wanted to to have them just go line up and go play football and and you know try to beat the man in front of you like that that's what it was all about and you know that i think that's valuable i mean in this situation here when you don't have all the information at your disposal and you have to go out there and just let you know your play do the talking there's a lot of opportunity here to learn from the you know the tape you know that they're going to get from these joint practices make those corrections and be better but definitely and on this day uh they uh seem to struggle quite a bit with that yeah i mean and obviously in the team drills that's something but then in the one-on-ones that's one-on-one right you're going one-on-one against a dude and you just have to beat your man And, and they were struggling in that regard as well specifically trey pipkins and storm norton who also struggle in the team drills but According to the reports, Trey Pipkins was one and two and got really bullied by Michael Par- Micah Parsons, one that just left Daniel Popper in awe, not knowing how he could have possibly changed direction so quick to get inside of Trey Pipkins. And then Storm Norton went one and one, according to reports from my Eric Smith from Chargers.com, which doesn't seem that bad. I mean, it does seem like, at least from the reports, that Pipkins had a worse day of the two of them, which is not what Charger fans want to hear. You want to hear him taking that job and running with it. And obviously, it could just be a bad day, but... Popper did mention a sequence in his article that happened for the Chargers offensively in team drills on 11 on 11, where in a three, a four play sequence, he gave up a pressure, then gave up a sack, then had one win against Micah Parsons or DeMarcus Lewis. I can't remember. And then had a sack again. I think it was, they were all against Micah Parsons, but like three pressures, two sacks, right? And the four play sequence is, is pretty bad. And it just kind of is just putting that spotlight David on that right tackle position we wanted them to go add somebody to that competition so it wasn't just really Storm Norton exclusively versus Trey Pipkins and even this though this could just be a bad day right it's hard not to look at it as more than that when you're hearing these reports come out yeah I mean it's definitely not what you want to hear it's not what you want to read about when when, you know the the biggest hole the biggest issue on your team the entire offseason was the right tackle position and they didn't bring anybody else outside in to try to you know improve upon that competition when they seemingly did that pretty much everywhere else across the roster that that was a a big overarching theme was hey we want to create and breed more competition probably more so on the defensive side than on the offensive side but that was the biggest question mark and so you know when you hear about a performance like this it definitely makes you feel like you know why didn't they go out there and add anybody else um, to, to, you know, add to this competition. Obviously it's much too late. Uh, I mean, they're, they're not going to be able to make any kind of moves, significant what moves. What about Matt now. Filer though? Right. And, you know, for, and obviously the big thing is, is, Hey, why don't you just move Matt Filer over there to right tackle and, and, and have him, you know, take the bulk of the snaps. It's just too late. You know, it's too late. There's only a few days left in training camp. If they were going to try this, they would have done that a long time ago because, you know, that that stuff takes time. And obviously, if you're moving him to right tackle, you have to plug somebody else in at guard and get them acclimated. So too many moving parts and it's happening too late. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there's only a few practices left at training camp. Matt Filer has played right tackle. I, I guess I mean, I get that he wouldn't need a ton of snaps, right, to probably acclimate himself for a ton of practices to make that move again. 
just doesn't seem like they're willing to do it. And then the other one is Jamari Sawyer, right? And moving him yeah. to right tackle as far as the in-house options, right? If giving that a shot. Maybe we see that in the preseason. We didn't see it in preseason game number one. And according to Daniel Popper, he won one of his reps while doing one-on-ones, but then lost two of them basically based on his lateral agility or lack thereof. He said he got beat quickly by two inside moves, and that was when he was playing guard. Yes, we've seen him do it, you know, at the college level against guys like Aiden Hutchinson and it worked there. I don't know how seriously the Chargers are considering Jamari Sawyer at right tackle. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing it. I'd love to see it in the preseason. But to think yeah. that it's good, that he's going to be the answer at this point is, is super far-fetched. That's not what the Chargers drafted him to be. I mean, he has played in college. We haven't seen him play it at this level. And as a lot of these guys are finding out, this level is completely different. Like, these dudes are a different speed. But is good. It's good that the right tackles that the Chargers have out there, Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins, are going up against an athlete the caliber of Micah Parsons, a guy that has otherworldly quickness, the guy yeah. that has instincts and is just a very rare athlete, one of the rarest athletes that they're going to see all season long. So they're getting that quality work. Obviously, going up against Joey and Mac is quality work as well. But this is somebody you haven't seen every single day. This is somebody that's putting together moves and has a different kind of skill set that you have to plan and go out there and try to you know, fend off. And uh, they struggled the first day. Let's see if they're going to be able to make some adjustments and have some better success on the second joint practice day. Yeah, and it, reportedly Zion Johnson had some struggles too, right? So it seemed like everyone had some struggles. Danny Popper said every single starter got beat in 11-on-11. 11 11. So there's no perfect answer. But that was something we had questions about the entire time, right? So when you see something like this, it definitely perks it up. It's like, ah, eh. well, I mean, you hope it's better than it was last year, and that's still definitely not out of the question. But how much better? And, and should there be somewhere else, someone else in this competition like we thought there should be? That remains to be seen because this is the last tune-up against, you know, real starting NFL-type stars like a guy like Demarcus Lawrence, right, or Michael Parsons. They didn't do too well in this test, and hopefully they get enough from that tape to keep on improving because those seem to be the options that they have right now. The wide receivers, though, on the other hand, when there was nobody rushing, seemed to be smoking all of the Cowboys' DBs, and a lot of them had big days and really showed, I think, what the Chargers' offensive arsenal can be a little bit and why it should be very exciting to see when the Chargers finally roll that thing out. But you know you're only as good as your offensive line, right? Because as soon as the offensive line, defensive line got out there, things changed a little bit. But there are some highlighted performances that we definitely want to get to because we know this Chargers offense needs to be firing on all cylinders. But if you need your small business to be hiring on all cylinders, you go to LinkedIn Jobs, something I'm very excited about and you should be excited about as any kind of business owner because as you guys gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team and LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people that you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond the largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hiring frame for your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help find the right people for your company to hire. Simple, to simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small business rates LinkedIn the number one job in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors and LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidate you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn, post your job at for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right, David, well, it wasn't all doom and gloom. 
for the Chargers. They did have some guys, you know, that were popping off, including the Chargers wide receivers who seem to be getting a lot of the goods on the Cowboys DBs. A lot of videos of guys doing really well and really leaving Cowboys DBs in the dust. And one-on-ones like that heavily favor wide receivers, right? Especially in a drill like that. I mean, of course. But (laughs) the win rate there was crazy. And I think there's at least three wide receivers you're going to want to keep an eye on in fantasy. So make sure if you guys with those fantasy leagues coming out soon that you guys are checking out the Locked On Dynasty and the Locked On Fantasy Football shows where you're getting the best experts in fantasy football to get you ready to win your league free and available wherever you get your podcast from. But, David, the wide receivers were cooking. I mean, first, let's just start with that deep ball from Jalen Guyton to Jalen Guyton from Justin Herbert, picked up by basically every sports media outlet, just kind of awing at what Justin Herbert's arm looks like with an easy flick of the wrist. Daniel Popper had it as a 45-yard touchdown with Jalen Guyton doing a little, you know, outrunning someone basically didn't really do much just outran the dude and caught a nice over the shoulder dime from justin herbert that's always good to see coming out of camp sometimes that's all it takes and and one thing we know that jalen guyton has is that world-class speed so if he gets a step or two on you it's over yeah he, he, he's got you beat and you know it seems like he's pretty darn good at those over the shoulder catches he's done that a lot um and of course it, it doesn't you know can't help but give you some deja vu going back to that long bomb that he caught against the New York Giants, oh, yeah. one that absolutely went viral, that a lot of people said was the best throw that they had ever seen. I think Daniel seen. Jeremiah, right, on the yeah, broadcast. Yeah, Dan- that, that was the best throw I've ever seen. Yeah. Which, I mean, hey, Daniel Jeremiah is one of the most respected guys <laughs> when, in, in football, period. You know, yeah. So when he says something like that, it's, you know, people pay attention. So just another one of those majestic, long, deep passes from Justin Herbert that you love. Yeah, it's always great to see that. But, I mean, the numbers coming out for the one-on-ones seem to be heavily favoring the Chargers. Daniel Poprak came now and winning all three of his routes that he ran, whether Big surprise. he caught it or not, right? I mean, just <laughs> continuing to be unguardable. DeAndre Carter was four for four in one-on-ones. Michael Bandy was three for three on one-on-ones and continues to be just, you know, crushing it in training camp. How do they not keep that dude, right? But Doing everything he possibly can. Yeah, and then Josh Palmer, I mean, the two clips I saw from him today, I mean, it was a ton of separation, great releases off of the line of scrimmage, you know, picking up that Keenan Allen handbook and that Keenan Allen film. It was all showing off. I mean, David, they were winning every single one-on-one matchup for all the guys that are either on the roster or competing for a roster spot. We're out there cooking Cowboys DBs, and we'll see if it continues tomorrow. But one thing that just kind of made me, you know, think about is just the fact that Yes, we might not have seen any separation in that wide receiver room today, but I think you're feeling really, really good about what that Chargers offensive arsenal is looking like right now. Well, it's just so many different weapons and so many different types of weapons that the Chargers can deploy. You know, you got your speed guy, you got your possession receiver that can just really shake anybody at the line of scrimmage with Keenan Allen. You you got your big bodied wide receiver who has a great catch radius, who always does well at those con- contested catch situations with Mike Williams. You got a, a very, you know, technical route runner with strong hands in Josh Palmer, you just have a lot of different weapons. And then you got DeAndre Carter, you add to the mix, a guy that just has some otherworldly quickness that he uses to win as a punt returner. And it's showing up all over training camp against the Chargers defenses and against the Cowboys defenders as well. It just seems like this guy is going to do damage in the regular season, Uh, a guy that we didn't see coming and I don't think the rest of the league is going to see coming as well. A lot of mouths to feed, but it seems like all of those mouths are still hungry. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the argument is, hey, you know, he had a pretty good year with Washington, his best offensive season last season, not being used as just a special teams guy, just a return guy. Yeah. And he was doing that mostly with Taylor Heineke. Right now he has Justin Herbert, but a lot more mouths to feed on the Chargers offense. And it's just nice. I mean, another touchdown from that dude, really? What are we at? Like seven or eight touchdowns so far in training camp? It feels like it's 15. (laughs) Yeah, it didn't do much in the preseason. We'll see how much he plays and if you can kind of get some of that going in more of a live game action kind of a thing. Yeah, I'd like to see that. You would think you'd be better in that situation because people would actually have to get their hands on him to tackle him, right? But the one game we've seen from him, no targets, didn't really do anything there. But as far as the other options, though, I mean, do you have five wide receivers that you feel I could have a role on this offense and could be a factor for this offense is great. And then if there was one thing from the offensive side of things to feel good about, David, it was what they were able to do in the red zone. Four touchdowns in the red zone, according to Nick Cothrell, Gerald Everett, Keenan Allen, Jalen Guyton, and DeAndre Carter all getting in. And this is, I mean... I think the Chargers are going to be very, very tough in the red zone. I mean, they have so many weapons down there. Austin Eckler is a, a demon down there. Yeah, Mike Williams animal. is as well. And Gerald Everett, right? I mean, if you're talking about fantasy football and locked on fantasy, I'm going to have to give him a tip to tell people to buy low on Gerald Everett, especially with fantasy season. Because, I mean, talked about all DeAndre Carter's touchdowns. Gerald Everett seemingly comes out of every red zone session with a touchdown. So I'm hammering Gerald Everett, who I still think is just even with in offense and so many miles to feed. Like, it's just so hard for me to think, how is this not guy not just going to have a huge season? There's so much opportunity for him this year. I mean, all of the targets that Jared Cook got last year, 80-plus targets, There, I mean, and of course, obviously, not all of those are going to be just directly distributed to Gerald Everett, but the opportunity is there. Right. And he's playing with Justin Herbert, the best quarterback that he's played with in his NFL career, and... He gets to play in an offense with an offensive line that's one of the best in the league. Man, he's going to be in for a absolute career year. I've been saying it. You've been saying it. I can't wait to see it. And it's just because this guy is so physical. He brings that yards after catchability. And then the red zone, I mean, he's going to fight to get those touchdowns. And he plays physically. And I can't wait to see it on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, he's another guy where you'd think, you know, the live game action would lend itself more to his game. This is what he's doing, you know, when no one can tackle him. But like also every time someone touches him, he's getting called down where it's like, no, like in the game, I would have punched him in the face like, and and just give him an an elbow to the neck. Like and I would not have gotten tackled right there. Like trucking this this guy. Yeah, totally. But I mean, speaking of red zone weapons, another one of those guys. We don't know when he's coming back now because it's Donald Parham, who I think obviously at you know six foot eight is a huge red zone weapon. And we Gigantic. got a little bit of an update on his injury, him being week to week, and also got an update on Kenneth Murray's injury because that is something where this entire time, David, we haven't had like any kind of you know firm timeline on when he's coming back. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Brian Staley's like, he's five days away. So we're going to talk about that for sure. But I do have an important message that I have to deliver to you guys. I think all of us have been in a situation where you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many and as the evening comes to an end. People start to head out and you're thinking about calling a ride. You think, nah, I live right down the street and I'll be fine. What are the odds I get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen if I did get pulled over? You lose your license, right? You get your car impounded. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of drunk driving and the results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. 
So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. Plan to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's life forever. And I think all of us have probably been infected by something like that. I know that I have. So drive sober or get pulled over. All right, David. Well, we talked about the Chargers and their joint practice, but there was other things that I thought were more interesting coming out of that, including Kenneth Murray's coming back. And then that brings up <laughs> questions Finally. of the tone. Where yeah. have you been? Why didn't we know anything? <laughs> Where'd you go? <laughs> it's been such a saga with him, man, just yeah. because, you know, he was didn't elect to get off-season surgery. He was going to try to let his ankle heal correctly on its own or heal naturally on its own. It didn't work, and, and right about the time he should have been coming back for him, they realized it wasn't healing effectively. Then he had to get surgery, putting another you know couple months on the timeline for a guy whose position was never really that solidified going into the season. Anyways, you also add in the fact that you know you got guys like Kyle Van Noy and Troy Reader into the equation as well. It makes everything a little bit iffy. But David, for the, at least the very least, we know when we think he's going to come back because Brandon Staley said. Five days. This 22nd of August, I think, is when he'll be back. Looking forward to that. He's doing very well. He's worked really hard. I mean, Brian Staley almost never seemed like everything's day-to-day with this dude. Yeah. Not Kenneth Murray. He said, you know, he's coming back on Monday, which I thought was interesting. Well, I mean, it just makes you feel like, hey, they've had a plan. You know, they they knew before. every He, he let everyone else know when Kenneth Murray was going to come back. And obviously, you don't really want to ever put any hard dates out there unless you know you're feeling really good about right. you know this guy being able to come back and everything's phased everything's all set up everything's planned so thankfully we finally get to have Kenneth Murray back on the football field and for his sake hopefully he's coming back 100% healthy he can go out here and really just play fast because he missed a lot of time he yeah. missed a lot of valuable practice time that he can't get back so Brandon Staley and the rest of the coaching staff is going to have to pull a stunt like they pulled or like Brandon Staley pulled when he was the position coach for Khalil Mack in Chicago when Mack got traded. And you're going to have to get Kenneth Murray up to speed as quickly as humanly possible. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, too, is we don't know in what capacity he's coming back in on Monday, right? I mean, yeah. Derwin James was back at practice with shoulder pads today, but he didn't do anything. And, th- and that's the difference. I mean, coming back to practice is obviously a great first step. Would have been better if we would have known, hey, he's been doing stuff with individuals already yeah. up to this point right now. He's getting ready to take that next step. Still, you don't know what he, you know what he's going to be doing when he is out there. When is he going to be able to get out there in team drills? Will he be able to get out there for a preseason game. I doubt it at this point because we know he's not yeah, going to play this seem weekend. Likely. Yeah. And then it, the next preseason game after this week, this one's obviously Saturday night. The next one's going to be on a Friday. So he's going to have less time next week to try to get ready for that preseason game. And if anyone could use those reps in this defense, I think he definitely would be a candidate for it. And oh, I think yeah. the question is right now, David, has he even given himself a chance at all, right? To win yeah. his starting spot back? Because I, I right now I just, I don't see it because, Drew Tranquil was obviously one of the guys who was one of, you know, they they had him playing different positions last year, at least as far as one being strong side linebacker, one being weak side linebacker. But yeah. we know he's back now healthy and is thought of as LB1. Kyle Van Noy was the starting linebacker when he was healthy. And Troy Reader has come in and been very impressive, right? It's only been yeah. one preseason game. But we've heard from the Chargers players that he hits like a truck and he made some really, really good reads out there last Saturday night. I, I, I'm struggling to see his path back to being the starting linebacker. 
I don't think that you can just hand him over a starting role. Oh, I, mean, I you just can't. You can't do that with Kenneth Murray. He's going to have to come in here and earn it. And he's going to have to earn it in practice. And then, you know, he's going to have to earn his role uh, on Sundays. But you can't possibly just say, hey, Kenneth Murray, I know you're our first round pick. We're going to just put you right back into the fire. No, they can't do that. They, they yeah. have to have the guys in place that have earned their roles, that have been out there the entire time, that are are with their teammates, have that chemistry down, have that communication down, and are ready to go. They, yeah. they can't conceivably just hand that over to Kenneth Murray. It's going to take some time to get Kenneth Murray ramped up, and he's going to have to earn his way back on the field. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's weird because obviously they tried to force him onto the field the last game of the season last year. Yeah, We know now, but we didn't know then, which was that he wasn't right. Yeah. At that point, I mean, he had the worst average depth of tackle in the NFL amongst all linebackers <laughs> qualifying snaps last year, like, like averaging tackling the ball carrier around like nine yards or something Ugh. insane like that. But like the instincts have been in question, right? I mean, him just being in the right spot, how he's going to convert to Brian Steely's defense. Like Brian Steely seems genuinely excited to always get this dude back. But everything we've seen on the field for him has been the opposite of that. So like, yeah. yes, first things first. He has to be healthy, and, and you have to hope that the injuries were holding him back. But, like, once the season starts, it's much more about game plan and, and much less oh, yeah. about guys competing for spots. There's only so much time. There's only so much practice time during the week. It's really hard to take a spot away. I mean, unless somebody's out there just blatantly struggling so bad that you have to try something different. Yeah. Now there's only a few practices left in training camp that he's going to be a part of. We don't even know how much a part of those he's going to be. It's just really hard to know what to expect. Just, from the it's Chargers another year of Kenneth pick. Murray starting behind the eight ball. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and just you don't see how he comes back from this, uh, at least as far as this year. I mean, injuries always happen. You hope that he looks good because he has tools he could bring to the Chargers defense. Like he would make them more explosive. He would make them faster if they could figure it out. And if he could figure out how he fits in this defense and where he's supposed to be at. It could absolutely be a weapon. We just have not seen it at all. So it just gets harder and harder to believe that he's ever going to be a big factor in this Chargers defense. Because this is year three, and now we're talking about, hey, is he just going to be a reserve guy in year three, right? And, yeah. and but hopefully, you know, you just have to hope that it, somehow it comes together quickly. It's just really hard to think that right now. But we did get an update on Donald Parham, who was hurt, you know, pulled up with a hamstring, I think, you know, about probably a week and a half ago somewhere yeah. around there and we haven't heard much about it since today brain Staley said that he is week to week so that's not great because i mean there's only a couple of weeks left until yeah. the regular season starts so there's only so you know so much time that's going to be left but he said he's still being patient hopefully next week we can kind of start phasing him into the work he's progressing but i would say more week to week than day to day david yeah, I don't really like the vernacular of week to week because I, I've heard coaches say week to week and that turns into two months or two and a half. Right. Months. And I think we've also seen day to day that's turned into a couple of weeks, right? Exactly. On the flip side. So, yeah, you just, you know, you, you can't really take any of that for, for face value from, from the head coach, unfortunately, with, with that injury, especially with the soft tissue injury, because everyone heals from those injuries at a different pace. Right. So, who knows when. He's going to be out back on the practice field and back out there, but hopefully it's before the start of the regular season. Yeah. And I mean, I think to some extent, like him saying week to week is him saying, I don't know when he's yeah, going to get back. Definitely. And that's when it's a little bit concerning because 
there's no clear fourth tight end on the Chargers roster, which you can absolutely get away with three tight ends, no problem. Yeah. But if one of them is already down, it's much harder to get away with only two tight ends, right? And, I mean, there's going to be practice squad guys, and if it's not something serious, and at this point, I mean, if he's saying week to week, you don't think he's going to get put on IR, right? You don't think he's no. going to get do- – any any long-term thing is going to happen with him. But at the same time, like, if he does out, you know, week one, week two, in giant games for the Chargers to get after a good start, that puts your, you know – a lot of question marks, I think, around your tight end because you'd have a guy you feel good about in Gerald Everett that we know is going to make the roster and then Trey McKitty who has six career catches. So, yeah. so that's a lot tougher. But, David, the other thing I want to touch on real quickly before we get out of here is Derwin James and him when he's going to be back at practice. Like I said, he isn't going to be doing any of the team drills this week. They're trying to start phasing him back in and hopefully getting him back in team drills next week. But this is also why it's important the deal got done when it is right now because we know the Chargers aren't going to play somebody right after they just came off a layoff like that and have them go full speed and all out right away. And at least now you have the couple of weeks kind of grace period to get him there without overly stressing him, you know, and putting him in a big position where he could potentially get hurt. Yeah, and and it's funny just Brandon Stilly saying, man, I, I it was like keep trying to uh, keep a dog off a leash or from getting off the leash, and that's how that's how bad it was to try to keep Derwin James out of practice. Man, he loves to play football. He wants to be back on that football field immediately. And I know there was a lot of people out there that were concerned that if he got back on the field right away, you'd get hit with those soft tissue injuries. But the Chargers aren't dumb. They're not going to put Derwin James back on the field the same day he signs a contract. Right. They are going to phase him back in. They're going to do that the right way. We understand what has happened with Derwin James in the past. The Chargers understand that as well. They are going to do this the right way. They're going to make sure that DJ is ready, feeling good, is in game shape, and he goes out there and, and he is Derwin James. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not worried about him at all. If he's out there, he's going to be great. That's just what it is, and and the charge defense needs him. And obviously the most important thing has happened, which means he's going to be with the Chargers, you know, up to the next five seasons, which is obviously awesome as well. But yes, we'll see how the Chargers can bounce back tomorrow. There's obviously one more joint practice tomorrow that we'll get to hear about, and I think a lot of these reporters are going to be focusing on the defensive side. Supposedly today, the defense did really good. One touchdown and two picks for Dak Prescott. So for as bad as the offense was, at least it seems like the defense is coming together against a good offense that didn't have C.D. Lamb, but whatever. So we'll have the latest on the Chargers joint practices coming out tomorrow and also be getting into more of a preseason preview to talk about who has the most improved going into this preseason game after a couple of guys had letdowns. I know it's going to be a really big game for Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins after everything that we heard today for sure. So we'll be back with you guys tomorrow to get into that, but to make sure you don't miss it, Go subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you guys so much for making this your first listen. If you guys need a second listen, make sure to make that Lockdown Fantasy Football so you guys can win your leagues and get that competitive edge wherever you get your podcast as well. But if you guys do like the show, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure to rate and review if you can in those places as well. It really boosts the show for us and gives us that morale boost as well. We also post the show to all of our social media. David Drogmeyer's DMs are always open at DrotalkSD. You can find me on Twitter at DanTalkSports and the show's Twitter at LockedOnLAC. You can also find us at our at LockedOnChargers Instagram page and our LockedOnChargers Facebook page. If you guys want to call in with your reactions to joint practice or Darwin James signing or the preseason games, call in to 323-524-7924 because we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. We'll see if there's any fights that break out tomorrow at Chargers joint practice. None today. 
We'll have the latest of all the fireworks coming out of camp tomorrow, though, and get into the Chargers' second preseason game against the Cowboys, which is going to have a lot of stakes going into it. But until then, guys, take it easy and go Bolts.